Welcome to ADHD Crash Course. Today, we have Antonia Bowring, and she is an executive coach. She's a speaker. She's an author, and she was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. Oh, old, older adult. Were you 50? Was that, was that when you were diagnosed? Yeah, like a little bit beyond 50, but let's keep that to myself. (laughs) So she is one of us, but yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Do you mind telling us a little bit about just kind of how you got? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll keep it brief. Uh, I've been working on that. (laughs) So I got diagnosed very typically after my son was diagnosed and he got diagnosed going into high school. And I was like, "Mm, that sounds like me. And it took me a couple more years to kind of like do it. And I would just say it's one of the most liberating things I have done in my entire life because it enabled me to, I like to describe the journey of ADHD as the profound and the practical Mm -hmm. and the profound being the shame, the self-narrative, all those things that once I got the diagnosis, it gave me a way to go back and and reframe and repair and, oh, I'm not like a loser. I actually can't focus in a crowd because I have ADHD. It's not that I'm a bad person, things like that. So that's the profound piece Mm -hmm. that I think was hugely confidence building. Yes. And then the practical piece is, I, I can give you a very specific example, is just recognizing, okay, I'm not good at it all. I can actually do a lot of organizational things, but it's not what I'm good at. And it's not what gives me joy. Right. And so how do I scaffold that? To be totally honest, I'm at a point in my life where I can get people to help me. Right. Um, but I know everybody is definitely not at that point. But So I think it's really important to have as much scaffolding out there for as many people as possible. But um, yeah, so just the profound and the practical are these two intertwining elements for me of the journey. And I feel more confident and more capable today. Yeah. So and I'm just so thrilled to share whatever I can with others that may be of help. I really like how you've categorized that. It was definitely my experience too, the profound and the practical, you know, that profound part, or, you know, what I think of a lot of times, just my thinking or my beliefs, the story around ADHD, like that to me was also really liberating to have a context and a reframe there and realize, okay, because the stories you have are rarely like, I'm spontaneous and fun. Like really, like, there's usually kind of heavy stories. Oh, I'm a loser. Right. That's the storyline. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a loser. Fight. I'm this, I'm that, right? And so that piece is huge. And I'm yeah. really a part of coaching too, and a part of the work you do personally. But then, then there's also the, like, and then so what? Like, how do we, how yeah. do we support ourselves? What do we yeah. Add, yeah. how to spend our energy budget, you know, wh- where are we going to spend that? Yes. Um, and, and also you're reminding me that, uh, you know, I have had people say to me, oh no, I 
like I don't even want to get a diagnosis because I don't want to use that as an excuse, you know, like the tough people. And I'm like, no, actually, it's not an excuse. It's just more information. And you have a responsibility because you have agency to do something with that information. Right. I think that's the big, and I actually did an episode about this um, a while back. Excuse kind of gives this connotation of this is the connection and I'm done. There's nothing else I'm going to do with this. Right. Like I think ADHD, knowing you have a diagnosis, knowing how that impacts you is information you can use. There's more steps. There's things you, you know, you go from. So if you sit there and say I have ADHD and that's, that's it, I'm not going to do anything else with this. Well, yeah, then maybe you could call that an excuse, but I, I don't believe that's true for anybody. Like this is not, it's an explanation, a connection that we use. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your experience is in executive corporate settings. In your experience then of having ADHD, is there common struggles, kind of pitfalls in a corporate setting or in executive positions? Uh, Specific to ADHD? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I'm going to say yes and no, because we all know there are diagnostic characteristics of ADHD, things that would, if you tick those boxes, would enable you to have a diagnosis of ADHD. And, you know, um, impulsivity, focus, task initiation, you know, prioritization, time blindness, all the, all those things that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the no part of my answer is they show up differently. You know, the also, um, what do we, oh my God, I'm forgetting the word, the inattentive, the hyperactive. It So it shows up very differently. And as you and I know, that's part of the challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the challenge of having people understand what what you're struggling with. Um, so, so it shows up differently, is, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Um, I think a characteristic, definitely in in earlier stage, you tend to find a lot of founders, entrepreneurs with it. Yeah. And they're so good at juggling a whole bunch of balls in the air right now. You know, they're not planning five years down the road. They are really just trying to kind of get through now. And our brains are, are excellent at that. Even more specifically, I think founders, entrepreneurs with ADHD are excellent when they're doing their fundraising rounds Mm -hmm. because that is all in like, right. That's, and there's a bunch of pieces, but you're all in, in the moment doing that. Yes. I, I find they thrive it in situations that makes sense. like that. I feel like those are, are things that have maybe a very clear beginning and end. You, it takes a lot of energy. Very nice. Intensity, right? Very nice. Yeah. Clear beginning and end. Very nice. Good, good, good additive point there. Um, I, I think what I think a lot about is and and these things are all interwoven for me mm-hmm. planning productivity prioritization right and you know i think most of the people i work with who have adhd 
there is some element of procrastination, uh, not doing things they don't like to do, and just not managing their load. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're you're describing executive functioning skills, right? Like the planning, the prioritizing, choosing something that's not preferred, moving forward on that. And that is, um, I never really say universal, but very, very common for anybody with ADHD to struggle in these areas. And depending on your setting, that could be pretty impactful, right? Um, Well, I loved this comment I heard in a podcast, got to remember it, which was, yes, that, you know, even our, our characteristics can vary through the day, through different environments. And I realized this is very important for me. And you need the combination, the calm and orderly environment. Um, Calm. Well, actually, can you be calm and not be orderly? I don't know. Can you be calm and and like stuck? I need like, if it's kind of quiet and structured, I work so much better than particularly if I'm writing or, you know, doing big focus work, than sort of disarray, disorder, chaos. I, I find that just like calms me down, soothes me. Now, not everyone is like that. My That's son- a good point, right? Because I think this is what we, when we look at our nervous systems, there's a point where sometimes the environment's too calm for some, right? They, they need yeah. a little more stimulation. So knowing Great yourself point. matters, right? Knowing yourself. My son can lie on his bed with his laptop, with music in his headphones, uh, with his clothes all over the floor, with the desk looking like a tornado ripped through it. I I could not focus. I have one of those. (laughs) And she can. She can totally and, and even be moving. Like she's got the music and she's moving at like in it, like walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move, yeah, in that's the chair. a big I mean, like, thing. Yeah, but that's a real big thing, right? That yeah. that need for um, movement, and yeah. you know, can I tell you my a secret weapon? Absolutely. I'm going to show it to you. Oh yes, <laughs> it's gum because we're if you can't see gum. Absolutely, and there's sugarless, really- always sugarless. Yeah, you it's got to be sugarless. Yeah, no right. cavities. But I sometimes, if I'm feeling a bit like, uh, yeah. I chew some gum, and sometimes I chew like eight pieces, not all at once. But this is, and- I mean, you know, and sometimes we're like, oh we don't trust that we know this about ourselves. But if you look at like sensory wise, it makes complete sense why chewing gum, like it helps you get in that right place. It's lots of joint input. And we know that joint input can help us calm down or even wake up. So yeah, I mean, that is a perfect and a little less distracting than like flipping around in your chair. If If I, I live in Manhattan. So space is always a premium. If I had a bigger house or whatever, apartment I would also have a bouncy ball to sit on oh I love you know that. not not all day but when I felt the need to just like I do that 
I, I sit, yeah. I have a, yeah, I have a therapy wall that I'll sit on. Yeah. And yeah. A really wonky I, looking chair that you can kind of kneel on. And Oh, I had, I used to have one of those. Yeah. And, and you can kind of sway in them. Yes. That, that stuff is, that stuff is, Hey, it takes a village, right? a village yeah. of scaffolding. Yes. And so those are kind of like great, um, maybe attention tools. Have you found tools that are your go-tos and your favorites for planning and the prioritizing and kind of in the work that you're doing? So this is something I'm thinking a lot about because I'm just writing a little ebook about planning for ADHDers. And, you know, I'm having to sort of unravel in my mind planning and prioritization mm-hmm. because I can tell you right now, the four keys to basic planning. Like I can tell you what they are, Okay, but they, okay. Well, you have to use a calendar. Shockingly, (laughs) there are people out there that in 2023 do not use a calendar and I do not know how they survive. That was my episode last week, Antonia. Oh, it really was. About time systems, right? Like what kind of time system? Yeah. You do yeah. need one. Yeah, you need a calendar. Yeah, it can be on paper. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But you have to have a calendar. I'm sorry, you have to. Even if and, you only have one appointment every week, that was something I mentioned in the episode. Like just keeping track of that one appointment, if you don't ever check a calendar, is torturous, right? Like that. Yes. You have lots of appointments. Yes. Of course, you need one. Yes, and as a parent, I mean, my kids are older, but you're going to the doctor. Like I sent you a calendar invite. What do you mean? You don't know. This is not (laughs) something you're aware of. Like anyways, you have to have a calendar. You have to set aside some, I call it like self-care time to plan because planning is an incredible act of self-care. You have to do it. I recommend Sunday, half an hour, 45 minutes, do it with coffee do it with maybe not a glass of wine at night because then you might get distracted, but like make it joyful, make it, make it self-care. That's one. Number two, when you do that planning, you're looking at the week. I call it your weekly bucket lists. You look at the arc of the week. You're, You're like an eagle. You fly over that week and you go, oh, there are my buckets of things. And there's something in your brain, even an ADHD brain, that sometimes I never look at my weekly list again. But it's like the the ritual of going through it. It's all there. I completely connect with this is what I do. Like I, I do. And that might be the only time I look at the whole week. But it even helps me say, oh, Tuesday, I'm slammed. It helps me see, okay, so Monday, don't be slammed. Like opt out of this. Exactly. Helps. Exactly. And the last piece, so you got planning time, weekly Mm -hmm. bucket list, and then your daily to-do list. And I have a very specific template for that, which I'm revising given the input I got. But uh, one side of your to-do list is all the times listed in half hour increments. And the other side is where you write your to do's. Okay. And, you know, I think you want two to three big rocks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Three, three. Yeah, like three big rocks for the day. Mm -hmm. And the rest are stones, opportunities. I'm working on my language a bit. But and some days to your point, it like, 
if my day I know is full, I'm not going to have a long to-do list because Mm -hmm. I'm just setting myself up to feel like a loser. That's the thing. Yeah. But if I have big blocks of like, oh, okay, I got to get done these important things Mm -hmm. um, because I won't have time on other days. Now, here's the rub, though, and I would love your thoughts here. It's one thing to plan, but it's a different thing to prioritize what's we all know what's urgent, right? right? And time can be a forcing mechanism that's extremely helpful, right? We all use it to a certain degree. But how do we decide what's important? Right. You know, something that I often do is like looking and seeing what happens if it doesn't get done. Okay, so what happens if it doesn't get done is a way to prioritize. Time deadlines is a way to prioritize. Mm -hmm. What's another way? I think sometimes looking at your own values and like, okay. Yes! Who do I want to be? Yeah, what are my values? Lots of good options, but what lines up with my preference? Right, what are my values? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be perceived as? I want to be perceived as reliable and thoughtful. Right. If you want to be reliable and thoughtful, you can't just be responding with urgency to Mm -hmm. a deadline in an hour. Right. Now, one thing that a lot of us struggle with is just being able to choose everything feeling really important. A lot of times how we feel about the thing, if we dig a little deeper, isn't necessarily the reality of it, but it feels that way. You're looking at these things and oh, like you're looking at everything at once. And so that's one thing that I do is keep the running list in a separate place than the perfect, right? The week only gets what the week can hold. The running list is another place that I reference it. Yes. And another question to ask is what's, what's going to make me, what's going to, soothe me? What's going to calm me? What's going to de-stress me? Because, you know, I might like to organize my shared folders in Google because it feeds some inner weird need (laughs) because it bugs me. But that's, that's not going to really soothe me. That that's just a way to not do something else. Okay, that's an important thing to notice is often when we find ourselves it uh, down that rabbit hole, there's something we don't want to do. Right. <laughs> it's not right. as clear. It's not as clear. You can't complete it. It's not right. Right. Like what's just gonna make me feel better about myself? Right. I, I I had a coffee with someone yesterday. We were discussing this, and he said calling my mother twice a week would really make me feel better. Right. Lines up with who he wants to be. It does. It lines up with who he wants to be. So I think a lot of this lines up with what do you value? Who do you want to be? But we got to break it down in a more granular way. Um, Calling my mother means I'm connecting with her and that makes me feel good. And it's part of my responsibility as her son. And that's who I want to be. Right. Right. And so then you're taking that and then you're planning it. And it's not something that's going to stay in the front of your mind. Then maybe you want to put it in a place that it's going to happen. It's happening after lunch. It's happening after my run, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And, And I don't, you know, I think the 
the pushback I'm getting on writing this book is, well, this is really hard for ADHDers. And it is. It's quite frankly, it's hard for everyone, right? Yeah. yeah. Lots of people don't like planning, prioritizing. But right. But we got to try. And it's the journey, not the destination. I agree. And I agree that it's not intuitive and it's difficult for us. But a lot of times it's difficult in ways that that the planning helps relieve. Like, so what often happens with planning is that we see all of it. We get overwhelmed. We get paralyzed. Planning can help you exhale. Like, oh, I'm only doing this little piece. Nice. I like that. Can I use that line? Planning can help you exhale. Absolutely. It does. It kind of, okay, now I know, like we were talking about, there's a beginning and end. Now I have a beginning and end. It's just this one piece of this 20 step thing, but that's, what's reasonable for this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wrote a quote Mm -hmm. because I, I actually really like this commit to a journey of improvement, not to a destination of perfection. Ooh, I like that. Not bad, right? I like that. Well, first of all, it's just more pleasant, more fun. (laughs) But I think it's much more sustainable, right? Like we need to celebrate as we go. We need to do it gradually. No, okay. In general, people don't like to do things gradually. Take ADHD and just crank that up. Like we want the big, the sparkle. The dopamine hit. Absolutely. The bigger, the better. Yeah, yeah. And most things are just done kind of in a chip away uh, way. I know. Which is why physical therapy is so harsh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So boring. So Sorry, PTs. <laughs> it's so boring. Like, it is so hard because you just can't see anything for quite a while. Oh, and it's so point. hard. And so I like, this is one thing that a lot of times I'll do personally or work with somebody on, you can't see it. So how do you want to celebrate? Because you're not going to celebrate the end destination for months, right? So what, what can you do in, in the process? It's like, yes, I did the thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Just going and doing your exercises is that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Deserve celebration. And that yeah. might, that can change, right? And that's one of those things that with our brains is like, okay, this was good and exciting, no longer is. So how do I want to keep celebrating, particularly when something's mm. That is, I think if I had one message I'd love to be a takeaway from today mm-hmm. is particularly if you have ADHD, and as you've said a couple of times, we like the sparkles, we like the variety, we like the change. Whatever system you have in place, it will change. Absolutely. And that's okay. Build that in as an expectation. Oh, I want to start using colored pens or using different books. And, oh, you don't have to feel bad if that only lasts a few months. Yeah. Say it again, Antonia. I need to hear it. Say it again, because this is so important. Okay. What did I say? I said... (laughs) It's you need to anticipate your need for sparkle and variety and change and not feel bad about it. Right. You are going to, oh, even if you get a perfectly functioning, great system, after a while, your brain is going to go, oh, God, this is boring. Absolutely. Anticipate that. Yes. And roll with it. And one of the things that I've roll with it, somebody in this. This is not efficient. And I'm like, you're right. It's not the most efficient, but 
we're going to, you're going to use it, right? Like you're going to, whereas you're not using the thing that did yeah. work, but now it's oh not. Oh my God. Yeah. Right? Like That's okay. another thing. Uh, a half-assed productivity prioritization system that you use yeah. is way better than one of these online super duper productivity platforms that you don't use. You just dread, right? Like you, that's not, yeah. you just feel bad you, about not, not using it. You gotta, planning is an activity. Yeah. It's just like my desk, if I just gets disorganized and then I have to reorganize it and then it goes downhill. It's not a constant state. Being organized is not a state. It is a process That's and a, a process point. you have to invest in. And it, that investment is time. There's no way around it. Right. There's no way around it. So don't feel bad if you don't have a planning and productivity system. Well, feel bad if you want, but you need to stay 20 minutes. I'm going to like, it takes time. So that's key too. Right. And I think that's a lot of times where we fall apart is that we think it's a system, but we just don't really have any time built in to use it. Yes. To, to, to maintain it. Yeah. Yeah, That's the word. You're going to need to do that constantly. And like, constantly. Yeah. Right. And so like your car, like, like your body, right. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I like these. These are, this is, this is really helpful. So planning the prioritizing may not be intuitive, but we can do this. We can do it. We can. Yeah, Yeah, we can. So Antonia, I know that people are going to want to find you, maybe work with you, hear what you have going on. What's new. How can they do that? Um, I would love people to buy my book on coach yourself it's not specifically for adhd but it has pieces in it and case studies of adhd Mm -hmm. um a client and that's available on amazon and if you buy it please write a review uh that helps the village yeah please write a review you don't know every single one matters you can certainly find me on linkedin uh just my name And then if you're interested in knowing when this Kindle book comes out about planning and productivity and my ADHD tips, tricks, moments of inspiration, follow me on um, Instagram. No, um, TikTok. Antonia. I know, right? Antonia Bowring 963. Yeah. And I love this conversation. I do too. It's very helpful. Hopefully it helps the listeners as well. So thank you so much for joining today and sharing uh, your journey and sharing your perspectives. I love this. Thank you so much. What a beautiful conversation. I I can feel your warmth across Zoom. Oh, thank you. You have a great rest of your day. Enjoy yoga. Thank you. (laughs) And hopefully we'll connect soon.